You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. Welcome you back. Another episode of Hawk Talk. Eddie Acapinti, Greg Viscomi, happy to be with you again. Talking Mammoth athletics, Greg, and today specifically, we're going to talk some Mammoth football. Yeah, I mean, we were kind of talking that we needed to get a football guest on here. I mean, we had uh, Coach Robertson over the summer uh, in, in camp a little bit to talk about some stuff, but talking about we needed a football uh, guest on, and then all of a sudden we go out and beat the number nine team in the country and uh, scoring points like you wouldn't believe every way possible. We're throwing touchdowns, we're running touchdowns, we're wildcatting touchdowns. Uh, so who else would we have on? I think it makes a lot of sense. To have the architect of our that guest, offense. Right. Our guest, our friend, Jeff Gallo. I mean, we can get right into it. We don't have to talk. We can talk later about everything else that's going on. I feel like because of who Coach Gallo is, we owe it to him and the listener <laughs> to get right into it. Greg and I will catch up on all of Mammoth Athletics at the at the back end of the show, but we are happy to bring in our guest, uh, Mammoth Offensive Coordinator, former great Hawk offensive lineman, and one of the all-time personalities in the Mammoth University Athletics Department. Someone, by the way, who introduced Mammoth to me as a freshman, Back in 2003, my first ever interview was with this guy. Jeff Gallo joins us now. Remember Hawk TV homecoming interview? Closing. Yeah, closing. Closing. I can't believe we were putting offensive linemen on, on Hawk TV back then. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, I thankfully got involved early on, and I said, I know the lifeblood of the team. Yeah, got to be the guys up front. If you can't protect them, it doesn't matter. So yeah, I'll the never forget. I was so nervous. Line. I was so nervous. <laughs> Coach Gallo goes. They get all the love. He goes, just calm down. It's fine. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> well, here we are. How many years ago was that? At 17? Was, uh, 18, 18 years ago? Closer to 20. Feels like yesterday. <laughs> I think that means we're all old. It means if I've been old. here for 16 years and you guys have been here way before I have. Yeah. Yeah. But from then to now, and, and you know, as Greg said, and, you know, first of all, coach, happy to have you along with us. And, um, you know, probably right when we did this, we were being polite to everybody else. We knew we were going to get Jeff Gallo on at some point, right? We knew that well, we had to have this conversation. He also threw a pitch for himself out after I see him on the field. We had just beaten Villanova. Everybody's all smiles. He said, what am I getting on the podcast? I said, what do well, I got to do here? Yeah. I knew, you know, when you got to take your shot, I said, if I'm ever getting on, it's after that one. He's right. He's right. And I'm like, 49 at Villanova. I, th I think 24 hours later, I texted Eddie and said, what do you think about podcast next week with Gallo? There's no better guest to have on. We appreciate it. And no. there's so much to talk about because of your, history and you're you're just woven into the fabric of Monmouth football but let's talk let's start with the most recent goings on and, and like Greg mentioned an offense that is just firing on all cylinders right now uh, had a scored over 45 points in each of the last three games won the last two and uh, when you're kind of locked in as a as a side of the ball from playing to play calling uh, just take us through what that's been like these last couple of weeks yeah we've been we've been successful because we've been able to run the ball and then take play action throws off of it and, and, and get drop back when we need it. And that's what we always talk about is this balance. We've been able to play a very balanced game and kind of dictate uh, the style the game's going to be played at. You know, I mean, obviously you have Jaden's been so explosive in the run game, and he starts doing that, it opens up everything else. The offensive line's played incredibly well. Tony's done a great job of managing the game and getting the ball to the right spots. And we have playmakers outside who've been making plays. I mean, our receivers have been making plays, our tight ends block hard. Everyone's, everyone's really pulling their weight right now. 
And uh, it lets us be very, um, we can attack it a bunch of different ways. When we have to go fast, we can. When we want to go big, we can go big. Um, we can get to Wildcats. We can play a lot of different styles because our kids know what they're doing. They're really well coached. We have great coaches on our offensive staff. We have a lot of continuity, which makes it easier in a game to make an adjustment or week to week to get to stuff you really like in a game plan. And then our kids execute incredibly well. You know, and, and it's been explosive. That, that's what's been the stance that we've been able to generate explosive plays without necessarily always just calling like a deep shot where you're able to get explosives on an inside zone handoff or things like that, which is just huge. So I got a bunch of questions that some of them I know the question they know the answers to some of them I don't. Um, one of the things like I don't think people realize how much you change things week to week. I think people think of football and it's like okay, you learn your playbook and then you go into the game and you run your plays and the only thing that changes is what you end up calling. But there's a lot that you have to install against an opponent and, and how how much of the playbook would you say percentage wise changes week to week? It's what we want to. It's what we want to really um, focus on. It's not change the focus because we try to in the summertime and in spring ball, make sure you have answers for everything that can show up in a season. And then during the week, how do we best get to those answers? You know, what's the best runs and passes and protections for whatever the defense presents? Because that's what's so different than colleges. There's so many different defensive schemes, three down fronts, four down fronts, coverages, all that. So, hey, what are the best answers? And then how do we get there? And that's what our staff does incredibly well is we all kind of see the game a little differently and can add blends into it. But we know, hey, okay, this is a whatever style of defense team. This is how we want to attack it. Now, how can we best match our personnel and our formations and our plays to get our kids the best leverage you know, to be successful? That's the biggest thing. So it does change week to week, but it's almost like what's the emphasis going to be? There's certain things we're always going to run. And then every week we'll have the different wrinkles in there or different emphasis of what's the best way to get the running back the ball. What's the best scheme for the offensive line? What's the best um, drop-back pass game for the quarterbacks and receivers? What's the best screen game? What's the best play-action setup off of it? So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's fluid, but there is a, there is a kind of a, a base built off that you can then focus week to week on where you need to go. I, I feel like so many people feel, and I can say this as someone who broadcasts all the time, so many people nowadays feel like they are more intelligent when it comes to things, but we actually, in reality, are less intelligent because as we – dumb things like play Madden, right, and watch games. Football's gotten, uh, and Jeff, I want kind of your thoughts on this. It feels like it's gotten so much more sophisticated from um, just really every element to it, like you mentioned. Within everything you said, too, there's different skill sets that each individual player has that play certain positions. Have you and the staff, have you tried to simplify things? Has it, like, how has that kind of process gone as now football's evolved to this point where it is today? I think that you, every week, is the struggle of make sure it looks complex, but it's as simple as possible for the okay. players. And that's when it's like, well, this is hard. Like when you're on Tuesday and there's 18 words in the call and it's confusing. Like I, if I can't do it, there's no way that our that guys can, will be able can. to do it. So I think the challenge every week is, can you present something that looks sophisticated, but it's actually pretty, you know, it's pretty, pretty basic. You know, can we make it look, can we make it look mm -hmm. complex, but it's really just a base concept, whether it be a formation, a motion, uh, can we change the picture a little bit, but still present the same thing? if that makes sense to you. So you're trying to, it's that, it's that fine line balance though. Cause sometimes you go in with all these exotic things and the second the defense doesn't think what you thought they're going to do. It's all out the window. So you want to waste, <laughs> you don't want to waste your time either. So it's, it's kind of, again, trying to, to balance it. So it looks complex and different, but it falls back on some base principles and, and base, base ideas. Do you guys, you know, <clears throat> after week one of the Eagles season, Devontae Smith had like one target or whatever, and Nick Sirianni came out and said, that's on me. We have to get Devontae Smith the ball. Do you guys sit on a, on a Sunday morning and say, hey, we got to try to get 
anybody. I'm not going to pick a name. We, we got to try to get X person the ball more because we know he's a playmaker and, and we didn't do a good enough job of getting him touches. Yeah. That's, that's, and, and KK has a great job of it too. Like, as we're sitting down game plan, like, Hey, he'll be a big green up. These are the plays where I know X is going to get the ball. Right. And we'll have that conversation. Make sure we have enough touches for whatever receiver it may be where I know on this play, he's going to touch the ball mm-hmm. or, Hey, these are the best runs for this back who's in the game. You know, like it's, it's, it's that as well. So on your call sheet, you have that of, Hey, this guy's plays and then, Hey, best runs for this back or, Hey, these are the throws that get the quarterback in the rhythm. So you kind of look at your game plan and you segment into that. So do we have enough, do we have enough for everyone to make sure the right people are getting the ball in the right spots? And that's a constant work throughout Sunday, Monday, even Tuesday. And then on Saturday, make sure we're, we're really sticking to it and working it. It's been so interesting to see the Mammoth football program, its trajectory. But I think we, we can all agree as people who've been around for a long time from that when Kessler Stadium opened to now, I think one of the tenets, you know, back when, when back in the day, it was a very defense first. And I feel like as the times have gone on, Coach Callahan has kind of evolved in time. So, so Jeff, I, w- I want to get your thoughts on what I think of now when I think of Mammoth football. You mentioned it. It's big plays. And it started with like Kenji Bahar, big plays, sure. in, you know, in the past game. And then now it's like you mentioned, big plays both, pass and run, Pete Guerrero, right? That seems to be the tenet of the offense, but I know it's not an offense that only can survive on big plays. So uh, as a play caller, when, you know, how do you kind of have that gut feeling to know when you think you need to pop the big play versus moving the chains? Or like you said, is it all based on so many factors that it's not even, a, you know, a, a definitive answer? No, it's, it's more... All right, how can I get this guy? How do I get a playmaker the ball in a spot where he has a chance to go? You know, because you talk, I mean, I mean, Pete Guerrero, I mean, incredible amount of explosive runs back from money. Reggie, you know, I mean, just going Lonnie, you know, Kenji facilitating it. The quarter, and that's what the quarterback does for us. The quarterback facilitates by getting the ball to the right spot, right? He gets the ball to the right spot, and there the, the kid who can make a play is in a, in a position to maybe make one guy miss and, and make it happen. And that's. We're, we're not hunting it like, hey, we need to force something to happen here. It's more, can we get the ball to the right spot at the right time? And if that happens, more likely than not, you're going to be successful. If you have the right kids and the quarterback can get the ball to the right spot at the right time, you have a chance to make an explosive play. That's When you, tr- when you try to generate it too much, usually there's a lot of risk-reward there. you know. And I can't guarantee how it comes out. Where when it's just, hey, when Tony's seeing the field great, and he's getting the ball to the right spot. It might be a handoff in a, in a short box. Like, there's not enough guys in the box. And then there goes Jaden. Or it might be, hey, I'm throwing a bubble. Or, hey, maybe it's a post ball. Whatever it may be, can I get the ball to the right spot at the right time? And that kid can can make it happen. So so then, to, to I guess, the most important thing, then, is the trust that the coaches have in the players. Because that's what, reading in between that answer, that's what it seems like is kind of the, the thing. It doesn't matter who's doing it. But if that trust is there, then you know they're going to make the right decision. Yeah, you have to trust. You have to trust the whole group that they're going to, you know, you're calling an offense based on trusting who's in the game can can execute their job. It's I always tell our guys that as I tell them on the first day, I, I can't guarantee you who gets home through the course of a season. It's a long, it's a long, it's a long mission, and some people aren't going to make it home. So everyone's got to be ready to play. And I always tell, I'm not I'm not smart enough a to, to have to every play adjust what I'm calling based on who's in the game of all eleven guys. So we say, hey, if you're in the game, we expect you to be able to, to execute a championship standard, and we're going to call our offense. And I think when you start doing that in camp it lets the kids know that hey they're not joking like they're gonna call this play whether i might be the backup slot receiver but they're gonna they're willing to call this play with me in here i better know this and be ready to go you know so i think that that we really harp on that in camp and even during the seasons next guy's got ready to go and if you go there we're not looking to call it differently we're going to call it aggressive and be who we are 
and expect you to be able to get the job done. Well, Greg, they've been getting that job done, right? Over 500 yards of offense per game, over 40 points per game. Top CAA offensive unit. I, I think it's so far so far working yeah, pretty na- well. Nation's leading rusher, nation's nation's leading touchdown scorer. Uh, in Two Owen, different right? people, by the way. Two different people, yeah. That, sh- <laughs> yeah. that should be noted. Um, well, let's I'd talk say about that, the- too. That we've done a good – our offensive line's done an incredible job up front. Right, so everything's facilitated off of that. Running the ball, passing the ball, play action passes. If you can really do it, and, and Coach Gabe's done a great job with those guys. And and you know, every week our, it's been different people stepping up and making plays and doing it. You know, and, and the points come from just hey, continually executing at a high level. If you execute at a high level, you're going to score points because we have enough really good players who can step through a tackle and make it go. You know, who can who can win that one on one. We're trying to get we're trying to get winners into one on one situations and let them. That's the biggest thing. Uh, we'll, we'll circle back to the O line because I definitely want to talk about that. But the maturation of, of Tony Musket, you know, just talking with Coach Callahan and, and some of the, the interviews he's done, he thinks Tony's doing the best job of his career. And, and obviously, he's a junior now. That that's what you want. But um, you know, we come out in New Hampshire. Uh, you know, I don't think the offense had its best day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony had three interceptions, which is completely unlike him. He had all six next year. And everybody's saying, oh, well, is this the wall? Is this now it's the CAA or they're not going to be able to get it done? And then since then, he's, I don't know, his touchdown to to interception ratio is ridiculous. He's thrown one pick in that time and like a bunch of touchdowns. Um, What are you seeing out of him and how much, what does that allow you to do uh, with him? Yeah, he's just, you know, he takes ownership of the entire offense. You know, he knows, you know, he's able to be, the man of our other teammates, but but also be respectful of him. Um, he puts as much effort and work in as any of us coaches do, watching film and you know going over the game plan and what he likes and doesn't like as well. So you have a lot of trust in him to, hey, if I call something, he's going to make it right. Or if he has an idea, I'm going to listen to it because he's put a lot of time in and, and thought behind what he wants to do. Um, and he's been we've been he's been great with the ball the last you know four games. Been great with the ball and. And honestly, as you look at every game, we try to compartmentalize the game. You know, the games when we when we don't do well, I can almost say, right, where were our struggles at? In New Hampshire, we were poor in the high red zone, right? We have to be better there. So when you come off a, a game like that, you can sit back and say, where where did we come up short, right? And, okay, so these are spots we have to make sure we're, we're sharper as a staff as, you know, in the areas of the game we're sure so we can be we can be successful next time. And even in successful games, you can come out and say, okay, where were we short at in this past game? Maybe we were poor on third and long. Well, how do we – not get the third and long, and then how do we right. be better there? So you're trying to constantly focus. He's coachable, and you're trying to constantly, as a staff and as a, as a player, trying to find where it be a win or a loss. Where where can I improve? And we're really just improve. We're just trying every week to improve because the only way to be successful is just continually improve through the course of a season. And I think he understands that too. That he's not a finished product, and we're not finished products at all as an offense or team, and that we have to continue to improve. So whether it be coming off a disappointing game against New Hampshire or a really good game against Villanova. There's areas to improve. Let's focus on that improvement and let's get better through the course of the week. And then on Saturday, see if it, it all comes together. You know, that's the biggest thing. I think one of the things he did, maybe the best he's ever done last week was use his legs. Yeah. Not that he's a running quarterback, but he took what the defense gave him and he had 80 yards rushing. And I, don't, I didn't go back and look, but he had a bunch of first down pickups just with yeah. his legs. Uh, is that just, more maturation, like, hey, just don't force something. If, they, if they're going to give you 15 yards of open space, take off. Yeah, I think it's we say about being decisive. And that's I think that's the biggest thing, especially a quarterback, when you put a lot of options onto their plate, right? You're on these offenses where the complexity is really in the quarterback if he's got so many different options to take. Whatever one you take, just be decisive on what you want to do. 
So if it's not there and, and you can run it, be decisive. If you're going to pull it down and run it, run it and get what you got. You know, so I think that's the best thing he was on last Saturday. He was in general, in any situation, he was just decisive in his decision-making. And if it was there, he took it and went. And uh, we're, you know, we're not a quarterback-run team. As you watch us, you'll know that. But, again, when, when situations are there and, and it presents itself, he has. I mean, he is in great shape. He has great speed. Um, he has great mobility. He has the ability to do all those things. So he can add another element to the game of, hey, if I call drop-back pass or play action, they, draw, they all drop out. And it's there. He can pull it down. He can go and get those yards. You know, so it's just another element to have to defend. And to see his, even early on, he seemed mature, but to be able to keep his eyes downfield when he does leave the pocket and now have that ability, like Greg mentioned, to pick up the first end either way. He's really done a nice job. I was not extending plays, yeah. um, you know, and being able to find, you know, other reads and, and not as primary. But uh, I, I feel like that is just scratching the surface of the offense in general. You mentioned the playmakers. You mentioned how well Tony's playing. and But let, let's look at that group up front. And, and, you know, a lot was made. There was articles written this week about, you know, how cohesively the offensive line is now playing. Uh, as you kind of look at it now, not being a finished product, but getting maybe closer to where you envision that offense being, just kind of speak on their ability to come together over these last couple of weeks to now you know, be able to go and have an offense knock off a top 10 team and, you know, be playing its best football this season right now. Yeah, like I said, Coach, it's, it's a continuity we've had with Coach Gabe with these guys. I mean, it's it's a it's a group that was inexperienced but not young. I mean, we said to Oliver, we've had, because of COVID, you had all these fifth and sixth-year guys over the last two seasons, and now you have a lot of essentially juniors slash seniors who have been through our program. Tim Reams done a great job with them in the strength program. Um, they've been through spring balls. They've been through all these things. They're ready to play. They just hadn't played in games. So getting that offensive line cohesing through the course of games, letting them play, and, and, and also gain some confidence in themselves as they're having success, um, that's been huge. You know, and, and, and guys stepping up. We've had some injuries there. You know, JT Cornelius comes in last week against Villanova and has, does a great job. Yeah. You know, um, we're, getting, we're getting solid play right across the board. There's a standard that those guys play at. Uh, there's eight guys you feel good about going to the game and playing right now. And like I said, Coach Gabe's done a great job of just – you know, working through getting the best, getting us to the best run schemes and also developing those players. And through the course of time, through practice, you know, they've gotten prepared. And I think the success in game has given them more confidence. Sometimes that's the biggest thing is you're an inexperienced player. You know, you think you can do it, but until you go in there and do it, you're not sure. Right. And like I said, coming out of that New Hampshire game, we didn't, we weren't going there to play a game. We were going there to win. And so those guys understood the expectation coming out. And, hey, it's not expect we're going to go to try to win the games, and, and we're good enough to do that when we play well. And so those guys also take an ownership and understand that, hey, we can play better, and they have. They've played much better, um, and I expect them to keep on improving. I think you, you made a good point of having eight guys ready, ready to go because, first of all, two things. One, you're absolutely right. Coach Brian Gabriel's done an, a, a ridiculous job. I mean, maybe – in my 16 years here, maybe the most consistent part of our offense has been, or of our team in general, has been the play of the offensive line. I mean, we always have all-conference kids no matter what what league we're in. Um, every time I'm in a press box and I'm talking with, like, the opposing Raider or whatever, the first thing I always say is, man, you guys are massive up front. Like, you guys are really big up front. Like, even when we play FBS teams, like, and Middle Tennessee State was was like, man, you, you, your guys up front are as big as anybody we're going to see in the Sun Belt. Um, what, is the, what is the recruiting philosophy there for offensive linemen? You're looking at frames that can get bigger. We don't need the kid who's 350 pounds right now. And our line across the board is really 
they're long. I mean, 6'4 and up, but weight-wise, you know, 320 and down. We want big, long athletes we can put size on who are long, can carry weight, can bend and move their feet. The more athletic linemen you recruit, the more you can be flexible in all of your schemes. So you're not just locked into, well, this kid can only down block, or this kid can only mm-hmm. do so-and-so, or maybe he's too slight to ever really be a power player. So we're trying to find the big, long athlete, not the finished product. Mike Bidicu's played tight end. Oliver Jervis played quarterback. Right. You know, Oliver Jervis played quarterback in high school. Was a big kid. Uh, Ar- Will Argo, I think, played quarterback uh, for a while also in high school. But they were big kids who could bend and move, could move their feet, um, and then have a nastiness to them, have some aggression to them. You want kids who are aggressive, tough kids who want to play hard. If they have that and they have a love of football, then you can develop them and work through them. Like JT Carinas was tough. At Southern, you watch him wrestle. There's a wrestler. His face right. all taped up. He's bleeding everywhere. <laughs> you know, uh, undersized. You know, played tight end. But you know, you can. He's got. He's tough. He's got a skill set. You can put the size on him, and he loves football. And he'll be there when the in the hard parts in the early years, and, and you get something positive out of it. So just guys you can really develop, recruit, and develop length, athleticism, mindset, and then with the work that Coach Reem does in his strength staff and Coach Gabe in development, teaching the the, the fundamentals, then we're able to really build it and grow it. And we haven't had to force kids in the game because you've had, like you said, 16 years of really good offensive linemen. When they, the young kids come here, they know the expectation, they know the standards. They're not in a rush to put them on the field. Right. So you can invest that time in them and let them develop. And then when they're ready, you, they can come in, they can play and play at a high level and have success. I think those are, those are the biggest things when you're looking at it. And also we're fortunate in this whole Northeast area, you have a lot of, a lot of people recruit the New Jersey and Northeast because there's a lot of linemen here. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's all about finding the right ones for your program, you know. And the more you can have big kids, the better. You know, you want to have kids so you can go into these heavy packages when you got on the goal line. You got to get in. You can roll big bodies out and, and kind of really come at you. All right. And the more athletic those kids are, the more you can look. Whoa, we can run screens. We can run drop back pass. We can run downhill inside zone. We can run wider run schemes. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're able to do all those things. I, I think that position more than maybe any on the field. Now that I think about it. There's like a two-year waiting period. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Sean Wright and Alex Thompson maybe are the only two kids I can remember, and they were both prep kids coming in here. I think Sean Wright was a prep kid, maybe not. Um, coming here and playing as freshmen and coming through. Every other every other body we've ever had on the offensive line is a two-year waiting period. I mean, they don't play as freshmen. They almost never play as sophomore, and then they pick it up. You know, maybe Ryan Wetzel, who was just in here a couple minutes ago. Then then they pick up from there and go. And then, and that's it's got to be hard for some of these kids. Yeah, you, like you said, you're sitting there and like you want to play, and uh, there's got to be trust, right? There's got to be trust that, 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 hey, the staff is looking out for me, they're developing me, and when I'm ready, I'll get my chance. And now when you get your chance, you better be prepared for what you're going to do with it. And we always tell our guys that when your moment comes, you have to define the moment. And and that's so guys understanding that, hey, if I put the work and the time in, when my chance is there, I can take it. You know, that that's what the kids have done a great job of. Like I said, that's a, always a huge thing It's just – having the depth so you don't have to rush a young kid in because there's a maturity. When you come in as an 18- or 17-year-old kid and you're playing against 22-year-old men in that position, there's a there's a strength and a maturity. And also, you have to understand the schemes. There's, you have to understand offense. You have to understand defensive structure and offensive schemes. There's a good amount of – there's a learning curve on what you have to – it's not rocket science. So we're not splitting atoms. <laughs> but you do have to have some base fundamentals so you can play fast and play with confidence. Yeah, and make calls on the line. Yeah, and, and some kids like – I mean, Justin Zuba had never passed protected. He was – you know, you know, Brick ran triple option football. God bless him. So Justin had to learn how to pass protect. Right. You know, that takes time, you know. So 
it's it, every kid's different in what they need to work on, but you're looking for a skill set and a mentality and a frame. When you get those three things, you can get some really good players. I, I would say outside of the head coach, outside of Kevin Callahan, no one more qualified, I think, to answer this next question than Coach Gallo, someone who was an all-conference player and has been on the staff and has now three conferences worth of experience, right? Yeah. Under your belt. <laughs> I feel like we all, because we're so into this, know what it means for Monmouth football to be playing and winning CAA games. I know you're prepping I know you're prepping for a game tomorrow, but but just take that step back now. And you look at Monmouth football now, where it is in the landscape of, of FCS football, in the best conference in FCS football. Have you had a moment, you know, maybe between the announcement to now to be like, you know what, we have arrived at this moment in time and it's with one head coach and it's the right way to do it. And you know what, this is the place Monmouth football belongs. I, th- I feel like Coach Cal, when I was 17 years old, saw this whole thing unfold. And when he sat in my house, I, I said, this guy's got a plan and a vision. And he's got the ability to do it. And I just really believed in it. And to see him work and build, it's been awesome. I don't. I think part of being a player here, and then a co- especially a player, but also a coach here, is you never feel like you've arrived. You feel like you have to always show people what you can do. right? And that's the other fun part of it, when you get guys with that mentality. Of we've never fully arrived. We're just getting started, and it's it's a mindset of people who've come through here, of hey, there's we know what we can accomplish, and we want to shock we want to shock you, but not be shocked ourselves. The expectation last night was to win that game, and we don't see it as a big outlier win. It's a good win, but we want to get to the point in some time where it's like, hey, all right, Mount Villanova, who they play next, right? Right. That's where we want this thing to be at, and we have the ability to get there. Right. And, and it's been built right. There's a strong foundation in our football program. There's a lot of continuity and consistency. Our kids know what to expect every day, every year. It's not a constant turnover and, and, a, and a change in what they're doing. We have really good people in really good places all throughout our program from administration to coaches to players, to support staff, to equipment people, to strength guys, to trainers. We have so many good people involved in our program that it really helps really keep that momentum going. And as you work to build it, if it's built on a strong foundation, Right there's there's no limit of what you can do, and I think that that's been the, the the for me the most satisfying part is from being a player here and trying to get this as a player thinking oh, we're good man trying to get people to believe in us being good, and to now the coach we've we've gotten into a conversation we're on a real conversation on a national scale of how good can this team get and that build's been awesome, but it also feels like we always feel like we have something to prove and that's the other fun part of it. it's like hey we got something to prove every week when we play, it's not a one game flash in the pan it's not a 2019 season. Or, but it was COVID-21 fall or spring. No, we're, we have a good program. We have good players. We're going to come and show you every week. What was your phone like at 7.15 on Saturday night? Yeah, it was it was nuts. Um, <laughs> it was it was everyone texting you, which is awesome. I talked to my father and my mother on the field, which was awesome. Um, and then it was just all the text messages from all the former players. I saw Darnell. Darnell was at the game. Yeah, I know. I grabbed him out of the stands and brought him on the field with well, us. Well, he, 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 um, he reached former out to me. podcast guest. Yeah, yeah he, he reached out to me and said, hey, do you think there's any shot? Like, I'm coming with my folks, and I guess his sister, I think, goes to Villanova. He says, is there any shot I can get on the field? I said, yeah, just find Tim Ream or somebody. Yeah. He'll have a pass for you or whatever. And then I saw him post-game on the field. So I saw him walking down from the, to the stands. I just grabbed him and just... Just pull him onto the field with us because he's such a part of this too. I mean, that's the that's the other fun part I probably missed on before is that all the players who come before really built this to where it is right now. Whether it be the first group of guys in 1993 or the group of guys that I was with in the early you know early 2000s to when we moved into the Big South to now they've all built this. And with Coach Cal being the one guy here, they all feel ownership of it too. 
and they all come back to the same coach. And so you have all these guys come back to your games, and that's why it was great to have Darnell there on the field because he he went through some – he was a great player. He's one of the best players we've ever had, and he went through some tough times early in the Big South, but that got us to, you know, to where mm-hmm. we are now. So he has much to do in that as, as any of us did. And so being able to share that with him was awesome, you know, and, and all of our former guys. And it's such a tight-knit unit. That's the other fun part is because we've had one head coach and it's a younger program, we have such a tight-knit community of former players that they all, when we're successful, they love it. You know, the guys from 94 tell me he's went to Villanova and won. Are like, you kidding me? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what people don't see is that, you know, there wasn't even a field here when they were being recruited in 1992. That's what people don't understand of Coach Cal. It's like there was nothing here. He's had to build all of it throughout the time. And it's a it's a – been an incredible process. It's, I feel like we, because we live it every day, I think we sometimes even forget, like you mentioned, you know, the not that long ago, right? It was that. And now you get to look at Kessler Stadium yeah. and now you get to look at, you know, all the great things. But I, I think, Jeff, you made the point. The success on the field has been, I think, the most rewarding thing, whether it's in the middle of nowhere and you're winning a game at St. Francis or you're winning a game at Villanova. Um, and now it's right with social media as well. Everyone that can stay connected to what goes on. You probably hear it more than anyone. Cause I know you deal with all, a lot of the alums as well, but that support that you feel and you get the pride twice, right. As an alum yeah. and as someone who's still with the program, mm-hmm. but that I feel is very unique to what happens here. Like you mentioned only a 30 year program, but because of coach and because of all those ties still, even throughout the staff, you mentioned the continuity of the staff remarkable. Um, it, it does lend itself to a really special thing. Yeah. It just, it means, and, and I, KCAL said this uh, after the game on Saturday, I think, on, on social media. Somewhere. It just it means more, and it does. Because we're all we're, – there's so much buy-in here of our whole staff from being here for so long and almost being a family-type feel. Like, there's it means more. You go down there and you win that game, and it, it just – it's not like, hey, this is a coach who's here for one year and trying to, to leave the next. You know, this is a group of guys who've kind of put a lot of equity into this thing, and it means a lot – it means more to us when we go down and get those to get those games, you know, and – and you, and you want to fight hard. You want to be successful so badly here just for the people, you know, because they deserve it. And that's the biggest thing. So so one of the things I wanted to touch on um, was that offensive staff that you have, that you've built. Um, I guess we can go we can go kind of guy by guy. We've done a lot on Coach Gabriel. <laughs> um, so, so we kind of touched on him and the, and the outstanding job he does of teaching and, and recruiting those guys. And he's been here, I think, a year longer than even you have. You know, he, I, I graduated here in 2004, and I think he started – my last season playing was 03, and then in 04, I think he coached the offensive line. Uh, so, did he, did yeah. he start on the defensive I side? I think so. I think – I don't even – that spring ball. I don't – I honestly I don't remember. Something like that, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so so we know that, the, you know, the O-line's probably the most consistent position, just an institution. Um, but then I guess we'll go we'll, – we'll jump around a little bit. The newest guy on your staff, uh, Jimmy Robertson yeah. – Former head coach, he, he's you know if you're not if you're on social media and you don't see for the room every for single room, day, baby. I wake up every morning and the first thing yeah. I see is a for the it's room. It's literally tweet. the first tweet I wake it's the first up. First thing to. I yeah. see, yes, for the room. Um, how has he kind of come in? Like, and we had him on and we asked him about this, but like, he's a former head coach. He's he's called his own plays, and now he's got to come in and kind of take a backseat, a proverbial backseat, and. How did he kind of come in? He's a guy you knew from working camps, which I don't think people really understand. Like a lot of times you guys know all these coaches from working camps together, but he's come in and kind of folded in and obviously Tony's doing a great job. And um, that's not to say anything about TJ DiMuzio. who's doing his own thing out in Lafayette. He's, he also did a great job, but talk a little bit about Jimmy and, and what he's added to, to the room. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy's awesome. He's got such a great 
attitude and personality and approach to the day. He's an incredibly positive force. Um, he's such a good person, uh, and he's an he's a, an incredibly bright football mind. And uh, and we'd known that from from when he was at camps with us to even over over COVID when we're in our basements, we'd do zooms with him and and talk offensive football. And and I keep coming back to the success he had at FDU as a play caller and as a head coach. You look at the other people who've been there calling plays and where they're at now, and Jimmy holds every record there. He's a winning head coach there too. He he's just a successful football guy, and we knew him as a good person. and And I'm able to. He doesn't take any backseat. He has plenty of ideas. I'm able to lean on him. He's he's been a head coach. He's called an offense, so I can lean on him with questions, and um and he can and he can bounce things off of me. and And we just get along. He's a great fit to our group because it is a me and Coach Gaber. We're almost brotherly. We've been around each other for so long. And Coach Tour sets me up. like the the group and even Kate. It's such a tight group that you had to get the right fit as a person. And, and with Coach Music, he was like a brother to us, right? Mm-hmm. So you had to bring someone in here who could kind of fill that dynamic on top of also continue to add on to what had been done. And that's why Jimmy was such a great fit. He's a great person. He's got a great family. He's great to be around. He's a great energy. He's incredibly bright. Um, I can't say enough good things about how he's fit into what we do. Yeah, he's awesome. He's been, yeah. and he was a great guest. He, he well, he was a great guest. Plugged his own podcast too. Yeah, yeah we told him to. We told him we should. Fast five. Star. I was on that one. Fast he was. I remember. Baby. Believe me. I think that's how I, I was mad. I think that's how we got introduced to him. Right? Was when Coach Gallo was a guest on his podcast. Yeah, I was like, what is this crap? <laughs> well, anyway, he does a good job. He, he's great. You've mentioned Coach Gabriel, and we we need to address the art. All right. The we art. have to address the art of, of the running back and the art of running backing. And Amen. you mentioned Coach Dorsett. You, you guys were rivals in college yeah. and on the opposite, on opposite well, I was side. was a hammer the last year. He was a nail. I mean, <laughs> but Coach Dorsett's been here a long time. And you mentioned offensive line, Greg. And, you know, another great tradition throughout Monmouth and throughout Coach Dorsett's time has been remarkable running back play. Yeah, more thousand-yard rushers under Coach Dorsett than any other period uh, that we've, we've had backs here at Monmouth. No, he's phenomenal. I mean, he's got a great energy as well. He's got a great energy. He's a great person. Um, you love being around him. I think where our staff is probably different, offensively especially, but in, in our whole staff is we love being around each other. If you go to a convention with us or a clinic with us, we're all going to be there hanging out. We don't go split eight different ways. Um, uh, Sam, Sam is probably the best in the country at identifying skill sets. He's a great coach now too. Like he he can coach a running back and he can sharpen it, but he knows talent. When you go, when he go, when he comes back and says this kid can play, that kid can play. Mm-hmm. I've never been on anyone better at that. Of just hey, knowing what he's looking for and what and, and what the skill set is and where the ability is, because there's a lot of good running backs out there, high school running backs. You know, there's a lot of kids, and you have to find the right one. And he knows what he's looking for, and he knows what can play. And on top of that, then he knows how to develop when it gets here. And so that is, I think, he does an incredible job of identifying the right kid and then when they're here, knowing where the, where he can really polish it the right way to, to, to get it to where we want. How much say do you have in who gets the ball and when? I know Coach Dorsett's got a philosophy of ride the hot guy and everybody gets a series and gets an opportunity to figure out where they, where they fit in. But um, is there ever a time where you're like, hey, man, we, we really need to have – Jaden in the game or Juwan in the game or whoever? Or is it more like he's like, hey, this series Owen's going and you got to kind of call around Owen's strengths? It's 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 a little bit of both, right? And it's it's like a, 
We'd say on, on offense, we're like a family. Families fight. We'll have agreements and <laughs> disagreements, right? Like, Greg, you didn't fight with your family, Greg? Oh, all of they, we fight in this office. We fight everywhere. Yeah. And Good no, heat. there'll be times where I'll be like, hey, I want this kid in the game. And he'll say, you know, no, I want this kid in the game. And there's some times when he's completely right. Okay. And, and you say, okay. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a give and take of, hey, who's up on this drive? Who's going? But I feel confident and call it with anyone in the game. Like, that's the fun part. Of it. It's not like, hey, we have to totally restructure what we're doing because so-and-so's in the game. So we can call the game as it's going. But, yeah, he has major input during the game of, like, hey, I'm going to give this guy a, a series in Series 3. And we, we talk about that really on Thursdays and Fridays of how the, the game's going to play out. But then when you get in the game, you know, he's also great of, of knowing during the game, hey, this kid needs a blow here or this kid needs a certain touch. He needs mm-hmm. a certain a certain type of a style of run here. So he's great at giving me the information as the game goes on. And, like, yeah, there's always a give and take during the game of who's going in at every position and where and what we're doing. Um, but I have trust in all of our coaches that, when, you know, if they have, an, if they have a strong uh, – opinion of something then they're probably right you know and, and i have to make sure i'm, I'm fully listening to them and, and making sure it, it all comes out in the end how we want it he um he's a great dancer and great singer he is outstanding well. karaoke he's a great singer. singer he's, he's a phenomenal he's a, he's an entertainer is what he is he's <laughs> yeah <entertainer>. he's <laughs> a throwback to an era when you could sing and dance yes. he's, he's a triple threat he's a, I, he's I, a I, runner a singer and a dancer yes he's a triple threat i like right around about this time in the week he has almost no voice left because he's been yelling uh, not in a bad like the megaphone not, now too you see yeah. him in the megaphone? <laughs> I, know, I don't know I if know. anyone loves it more than he does him. love it i mean they, they've they've amplified amplified his voice but he's not yelling like in a negative it's just he's just no, high energy. energy if you've ever if you ever see him do karaoke you, it's he's phenomenal he's, he's the voice he's a songbird he pours his heart and soul yeah, everything he into does. it <laughs> world renowned uh, really quick before we touch on the last member uh, of the offensive staff uh the wildcat is something that we've been doing for a little bit um is it still called that is I don't it? Know. We do. Yeah, we Everybody yeah. refers to it that way. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know what else you'd call Wild it, Hawk. really. You want to do um, anything there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can brand it. We can brand I, it. We I don't know if it. you're going to want to answer this on recorded media, but like, my question is always with the Wildcat. Go ahead. It's we, always good to start the yeah. question with that. Well, no, I don't know if I'm giving away secrets or what a secret. Line up a play you football. Got a running backs in there five yards. Who's getting the ball? Right? No, 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 no. <laughs> but my point is that we still roll out there with a quarterback. Yeah. We, we listen. You don't know what we're gonna do. No, I understand that, but why not just put an extra lineman out there, or why not? Why? What's the point? Just to leave, keep everybody guessing. What if you want to keep the quarterback in the backfield. Yeah, we've never throw done the ball. That. Sure, we have. That's like when we used to do that stupid. We used to <laughs> line. How we score in the first Kansas State in the in the, in the uh, spring? What was the first touchdown? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, Can't Tony remember thrown that. to Gene. Was it at the yeah. Wildcat? Yeah, yeah. At the Wildcat. At a six old lineman. Of the same skill. Oh, same, same, same Yeah, same okay, thing, fine. Same personality. So it's not technically. Yeah. Uh, we did one time, one time, Brandon Hill catch a touchdown. Yeah, no, sure. I don't. We'll, we'll throw it out to him 100%. We have I love those plays it. in. They left him uncovered. Yeah. Uh, helped Columbia. The, the quarterback's <laughs> athletic, too. Owen's a great thrower, too. Like People don't know that. He played quarterback, I think, in high school. So Yeah, so at run. any point, he can just sling that thing out there. Yeah. He can throw all the – he has all the throws, too. He has all the throws. He hits you on a slant. And Tony and can I, catch and the ball. he's been coached by Coach Rossette, who I think was two for two in college throwing the ball. So <laughs> he will I'm tell sure you he's that. in your ear, too, like, this is it, this is it. I love, it. I listen, you're not going to get an argument from me. I love the Wildcat. I love Owen Wright. I would give him uh, four shots to just get that thing in, in the frigging <laughs> in the end zone because that's how powerful he is. I think Coach Gabe just paid you for that comment. <laughs> I love it. I, I'm, I'm up there with a big I, I, We do, too. Grin. I, I think, and you trust those kids that they can operate the system. They, 
can they can operate the cadence and any motions you want to bring and, and do all the different stuff that they can handle all of it. Yeah. It's, it's great when you have those kids you trust to do it. I mean, I mean, it's Devel. Devel on 19. Yeah. Yeah. As a man. Yeah. Right. Devel on 19 playing Wildcat really got us into that hard groove of like, hey, man, we can do this. This can be a thing if we have the right back. This can be a, a powerful weapon. And, and, and we've been able to continue that kind of track going. I mean, Juwan back there has been great when he's doing it. You know, we've. We've had different people do it, and they've all mm-hmm. had the, the mentality, and they they love that package too. Sure, you know, so it's because they're basically almost, not guaranteed, but they're going to score, and they have a great opportunity they to score. score. <laughs> they, better, they better score. Get a new wildcat. <laughs> <laughs> um, last 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 part in the rushing, and I know I'm, I'm listen. I just love to get on here and talk football. I thought one of the the awesomest that's not even a word. One of the greatest things I saw all year in the sport of football was last week. Owen Wright takes a ball in the red zone, get fighting for extra yards, gets the ball stripped out. Villanova gets it. They come right back, throw a pick to Davis Smith. The very first play out of that was a handoff to Owen Wright. And I don't know if I've ever with two eyes witnessed a man run the ball as hard as he ran the ball in that play. Talk about that decision to turn around and just give give a dude a, a, a shot right after he he could have cost the game. He's been great all year. He's been he's been great with the ball all year. Uh, he takes a lot of pride in it. We harp on ball skill. If you ever come to our practice on Tuesdays, <laughs> it's high T Tuesday. It's wild. We put a lot of time and effort into it. It was a one-off of them fumbling the ball, and you got to just give him confidence. We're going to come back to him. And we came back to him. He's run incredibly hard in short yards and red zone situations. His run against Fordham is one of the best runs we've ever had here. Um, and, and the last drive when we score on, he, I mean, mm-hmm. he's done some incredible things with the ball this year. He's been great. And so we're incredibly confident in him and what he can do, and we'll keep coming to him. You know, and the expectation is, hey, we don't, listen, we're not going to fumble the football, right? And if it does, it's it's a one-off, and we're not going to have it happen again. And I want Owen to be confident. If that happens, we know he's put enough time, and then we trust him to come right back to him. Right. That's, you're, that's you're, part of it. You're like not benching him for him. the rest of the game. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. Work in. It's not like he's a he, – he works so hard during the week. And he, you know, he's – He's earned the right to do everything he does, and he's taken a lot of pride, and he's an incredibly mature and smart kid too. And so he's taken the role he has, and he's really defined it. So we want to keep him confident. He's fantastic for every part of it. Yeah. And, you know, the, the last member of the offensive staff that we haven't touched on, Coach Robertson is the newest yeah. member of the staff. GMA. <laughs> so the youngest <laughs> member of the staff might be the person who has the longest tie to the program of anyone else. I, I got a poster with you have a, There's a poster. There. The, the first, that's a great poster, by the, the way. Moon? <laughs> but how has it been having, you know, Kevin, having Coach Callahan Jr. up with you in the booth. That's wild. Yeah. Like, take us through that. Because when you go on Twitter, you'll see how wild it is. (laughs) No, he's great. He he has a phenomenal job. He's he's an incredible receivers coach. I think there's no better receiver coach in the country. Um, I think what you didn't know coming in here, he's incredibly smart, right? He went to Amherst. He's a a very bright kid. Um, Not kid. He's a very very bright man. Um, He's incredibly relatable as well. And I think that that's what, when you first got here in 19, he's incredibly relatable to our players. And he's able to use his knowledge and get it across and communicate it. And that's what a great coach can do. Um, so he's, he's, he's thorough, he's smart, he's technically right on, and he's, he's very relatable. Uh, he's as good of a receiver's coach you're going to find in the country. We've had good receiver play here. You know, since he's been here, we've had outstanding receiver play. And uh, that's a huge part of it. And the game, if he can keep me on track, he knows how different ideas he wants to get to to help me get to certain things. Um, he adds a lot of value in a lot of areas to our staff, whether it be, hey, certain 
defensively, hey, he's charting stuff of what are they doing, what are they getting to. I can I can tell him, hey, start thinking about a certain play as we get to a certain spot in the field. You now he's just an, he's been an incredible help to us. He's got a great energy to him. You know, he's excitable. He's very, he's very fiery, which like his father is. It's a really good thing. <laughs> right, right. You know, sometimes we're all a little too fiery. You know, but um, no, he's been a great addition to our staff. And and like I said, I couldn't speak enough about him either. It's, he's been great. I, he's got. I tell him all the time. He's got a tough gig. I mean, that it, wide receivers. We have great kids at our wide receiver position. I'm not talking about our specific kids. It's a lot of mouths to feed. It's a lot of people to keep happy. Yeah. Um, everybody and, wants the ball. There's only one of them. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, everybody, you know, everybody, I think, in their own mind, which is great, and this is what we want, thinks that they could be a 100-yard, you know, 10-catch, 100-yard sure. guy every week. And uh, he does a really nice job of getting those kids out. And, and one of the things that I think he does a really nice job of, he's our recruiting coordinator. And um, we've had a long line of very good co- recruiting quarters. I, I work closely with them based on some of the other stuff I do for my job. And um, they're all, they've all been very organized. They've all had a good personality. They've got to organize a staff of football coaches, which is like herding cats, I think, at some points. Um, but he does a really nice job with the whole recruiting uh, aspect of it. He's very organized. He's incredibly organized. He's detail-oriented. He's a great note-taker. He's a phenomenal note taker, things like that. Like those, those things. He's, he's just sharp. He's a very sharp person and he's very focused too. And he's, and he's all in. I mean, he's like you said, he's been here for, since he was born. This is as much his program as anyone else's. So, you know, I think that that, that kind of takes over the top. If we're going back to 1978 and sitting on a radio show, talking to a head coach, talking to an offense coordinator or a defense coordinator in that case, or a head coach, I think a lot of the same things would be said about our head coach. <laughs> Detail oriented, note taker. I, I, honestly, they, they, it, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and there's yeah. a lot of really awesome things about uh, K Cal that that you can see from Coach Callahan. Yeah, and, and he's he's opinionated too, which is good. He has opinions. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, not he's, afraid. he's not afraid. <laughs> he didn't come in here meek. You know, he came in no? here with opinions, and uh, you know, I hope that I hope we've we've influenced him in a good way. You know, what I mean, like <laughs> we brought up the, a, a positive side of, of him over time, but no, he's done a great job. He's fun to be around, and he's he's excitable and he's energetic. Uh, we need to touch just briefly because I I want to know, but your time as a player, you mentioned it a couple times, and and I know that it was kind of part of the evolution of this program. Those successful teams that that you played on, that I had the opportunity as a student to announce those games on the radio. But talk about those guys because I know that you have such a close tie to all of these players that have come through, but specifically. Your guys. And a lot of them still around a lot, yeah. whether it's on road trips or coming yeah, to home Freddy, games. and Those guys are all around. Yeah, they're, what that they're means like to you. like a family to you, you know, because we went through, uh, the guys I came as a freshman with, you know, we went through a couple tough years in my last, my senior year, we were, we were really good. And it really, I think that that 2002 to 2003 year kind of really made you fall in love with football and see what, what football its best can be, what a team its best can be. And that, that's what kind of motivated me to, to kind of stay in football. And you try to make every team honestly kind of fit that mold of we had 100 kids in 2003 who were all just fighting for each other. And we had some super talented kids, you know, Joe, Senapal, and, and Miles, NFL-level guys. And we had some guys who were just, you know, just, just fighters. And, but everyone was all in. And if you can get a team to be in that mentality, you can do anything. And I think that's every year that's the fight. You try, can I get all these 100 guys or whatever it is to just get into one mentality, to, to, to play for each other, to play incredibly hard, and to have each other's backs. If you can do that, you can you can you can win. You can you can beat anybody, and I believe that. 
and I really feel fortunate to have been around those guys. And, and it's been fun because now we all wear each other's weddings. And then, you know, then we're all, all of us have kids now. So it's, it's, been, it's been a fun kind of growth. We'll come back in the summer, though, and we'll all hang out and see each other. And it's like you never, it, it never stepped off, it never fell off, you know. And, and they're incredibly excited about what we're doing. And, and they're, like, they're always involved, which is awesome. They're always around. They're always, they're always coming back. But I think that that group of guys we're so tight with because, and it's not even the seniors in that that O three class. It's younger guys too. That was a really tight team. You say if you can keep that mentality every year, you can you're going to win more than you lose every time. I think you can see every three to five years there are a group of of guys that still are tight, and they identify it with Monmouth football. Like every cycle of alumni, let's just say, has five, 10 guys yeah. that, that are just so involved. And even my time here, I, I can see it from, you know, the Frasers and, and Murphy's and those guys from that 2010 to, you know, 2006, you know, you, you got guys like Brian Sweeney, Sweeney and Eric Gingstrom yeah, and adds all those dudes, Cat, yeah. like those guys are all so invested in, and now you're starting to see it with some of the younger guys that are back all the time. We were just talking about Mike Basile and Wetzel and Riggy and that whole group of maniacs that went down to middle yeah. Tennessee state. Like it's just, <laughs> it's really what you want a program to be. So, so it's awesome. Um, we, yeah. I feel like we could talk to Coach Gallagher I know, for I know. another hour. This could be have, a full day podcast. Yeah, sure. We just, you're going to have to have him <laughs> on we, again. Are we maybe. picking games now? Am I, am I picking games or what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> we can't do that. We can't do that no, here. We, we'll yeah. all get that in trouble. That might be on, on Hawk Talk Plus. Uh, <laughs> we might have to ask that. <laughs> That's after we hit record. Um, but no, but that, but Eddie, we usually seg- segue here into some Yo, some Joe. fun stuff. Yeah, uh, do a couple minutes of just some getting to know you, I guess, type of questions. I know. For, for I feel fans. like this could be even longer than the previous. Yeah, however well, many minutes that <laughs> yeah, we did. Forty nine minutes at this point. So, uh, has your pregame routine? How much has it changed from your time as a player, as a young assistant, now as an OC? And what is your pregame routine now? I like to I like to go through in the morning, go through the whole call sheet. I like to walk the field and just get an idea of what what's getting called where. I, I'm much much calmer. I try to be much calmer and, and focus on what I'm doing. I think that's the biggest thing is, um, you know, in this role you have to be much more. It's better I'm in the booth honestly because I can get a little caught up in what's going on. And get a little, I'm a little excitable at times, so I try to be a lot more <laughs> just just relaxed throughout the morning and and more think you know kind of visualize the game a couple times. I think that's a big thing is this visualization of just. You know, seeing yourself being successful and seeing the guys being successful before they get to the game. So it's a much calmer um, ordeal. I know because I would be up early on a lot of those road trips. I don't think coach like eats the day of a game. It's crazy. Do you even have breakfast the day I, of a game? I don't game? know that coach Callahan eats in general. He's not a big eater. Um, <laughs> he works. I know he works a lot. Sure. Is it just coffee in the morning? It's That's all coffee. you need? It's a game yeah, day. He has a coffee. We, yeah, coffee. We drink a lot. We drink an incredible amount. Uh, an incredible amount of coffee here with the Monmouth University football program. Um, <laughs> you need to find I, a sponsor. I, yeah, you don't eat as much. I mean, I'm not trying to have a big breakfast in the morning of a game or even lunch. Uh, I like having the chews in the pregame and then uh, the chews at stingers. halftime. Stingers. stingers? Yeah. I like those. Uh, Coach fruit Reed snacks? Gets those. Yeah. Fruit snacks? I like the fruit snacks. Something small. So I have an apple. That's lovely. Do Maybe you, a bagel. Do you have your, you know, Dan Campbell, the coach of the Lions, or as I affectionately refer to him, Man Campbell. <laughs> he puts shots of coffee in co- he puts espresso in coffee. I, Do you have I a special just, coffee? I just love black coffee. Any All, kind, I'm so easy. Iced hot. hot. No, there's no. That's called soda. <laughs> cold coffee is called soda. You've been scoffed at me like that in about eight years. Yeah, that was awesome. Coffee, black. It's really good. That's I drink my coffee black. Milk is for babies, and cold <laughs> coffee is called soda. Wow, it's as simple as that. 
Wow. Yeah, well, we, drink, Real man. we drink so much coffee. Coach Gabe is... Uh, <laughs> Who makes he, the best pot in the well, office? Well, he brought the Percolator to our staff a couple years ago. And our QCs, Always upgraded. Our QCs could work at Starbucks. <laughs> like, Ryan Sirachi's great. He does a great job uh, with us, but he makes the world's best cup of coffee right now. Wow. wow. He's yeah. number one. Who has been the best coffee maker? Is there, is there a number one overall? Like I said, Coach, Coach Gabe brought in the, the, the Percolator mentality to us, which has taken over our staff years ago. Um, does anyone stand out as making a great cup of coffee? I'll just say Ryan right now is doing a great job. There you and go. Ryan Sirachi's joined us from, uh, he's a Millsex County guy, works with the O-line, works directly with me, does an incredible job. He's a great young coach, and he's going to do some great things. But, yeah, right now, but part of that job is every morning you come in, you make the call. I mean, we go whole bean grind. He's grinding. I mean, <laughs> it's really, it's a joke. You know, whole yeah. beans, you got to grind them, then put them in the percolator. and Barista. You know, yeah, you could you could work for Starbucks coming out of here. 100%. Listen, that's what we're doing, growing people. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, th- this is one that I was I was laughing about because I had this conversation with somebody the other day. Where are you in the, the pumpkin spice realm? Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. He just said milks for babies. Well, no, I know. Well, I was walking into a <laughs> bus store after he said that. I love it, too. I love my wife, Kirsten. She loves pumpkin. I don't. I like pumpkin pie. Like, mm. I like that. I love anything pumpkin. Pumpkin beer. Yeah, where do you fall on pumpkin no. beer? No. I like beer. I like butt light. <laughs> I like beer. I love pumpkin everything. I love it. I don't drink coffee, but I like pumpkin pie. I'll pumpkin have that with pie. My black coffee. Out on pumpkin spice. Jeff Gallo out. Kirsten Gallo in. in, on, in. She on loves pumpkin it. spice. She loves it. Very she nice. Loves, I like, but listen, everyone has their own taste and flavors. Yeah, listen. Well, I knew where that. I, I knew where that was going as soon as I heard about black coffee and milks for babies. So I knew exactly <laughs> where we were. I had already had the question written out that I wanted to ask, but I had known the answer when I asked it already. It's not even worth asking some of the other questions that we ask our guests because you don't watch TV during the year, right? No, I don't. It's I don't. I don't. I really don't. And even the I don't watch a lot of TV. We did watch um during the pandemic. We watched what was the Netflix um series? There's a lot of them. Yeah, was it like no, Tiger King? No, 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 no. no. Okay. <laughs> you watch Tiger King? It was uh, the birds. What was um Marty Bird? Oh that? um. Oh, oh, Ozark. 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 We got into that. It was during, Did it was you April watch the, May. have you finished it? Yeah, it was April and May. The I, I haven't finished it yet, so do not You haven't finished Ozark yet? No, I, my wife falls asleep it's at like 9.30 every night. I've, Great I show. haven't watched any of the break. Like, I know there's good shows out there. I don't really watch them at all, but during the pandemic, we were sitting there watching Ozark, and it was like, uh, it was awesome. We got really into it. Well, uh, let me put one on, on your plate. I'm not going to watch it. You should. Yellowstone. We're going to get into You're that gonna soon. Like it. I've heard it's good. You're going to like it. Yeah. I, I know. People are understanding now what it's like to, if you're a football coach and if you're watching TV, it's got to be tape. <laughs> must watch tape. I can't even argue. We have the number five team in the country. I would love to just make fun of him as my friend, but I can't. Yeah. Because we have the number five passing and rushing, whatever, off total offense in the country. So apparently he's doing something right. I'm watching Yellowstone. I don't know how to make a ranch. So, uh, you know, I can't build a horse ranch. So. I think the most important question I have is, think back, the furthest you ever hit a waffle ball. Oh, man. Wow. I hit a home run. That's an inside I, joke, I, by I the way. I hit a home run the right middle field. Uh, this is a question for wood, six people. Largewood backyard, yeah. Uh, Chuck Rostano, Ty McGahee, Carly Figlio, my wife, and my uh, my bulldog, God bless her, would know this answer. I hit mm. one over the right Rip. middle field. In the back right corner of Larchwood House. It was a bomb. Kevin Rowan was the longest one ever hit in the Larchwood. He hit over left field, over the cherry tree. I think the most remarkable thing is Kevin, who is a dear friend of all of ours, he, <laughs> ma- he made it count. 
Yeah. Right? Like one hit every 20 times. It went over the freaking chair. But it was the furthest ball we've ever seen hit. (laughs) Gray waffle ball. Yeah. Gray waffle ball. That was that. You would know that, listeners, as wiffle ball. Yeah. That's not what we played here back in the day. Played waffle ball. That's before any of us had kids. But that's what's fun about here. It's it's the same mentality. You get people you kind of worked with, grew up with, you know, all, everyone's all in. And that's when the programs are so good. Everyone's all in and we all had enjoyed each other and, and, and listen, we, we worked hard. We hung out with each other. It was a, it's, it's, it still is. It's a great, great time to be here. And it's a great group of people. You know. Said it all. We, we could go on for another two hours. We got to go win a game against Leah. Yeah. Tomorrow. We'll just call this, I guess, part one. Cause part two will I'm sure take place at some point later in the year. We, we do appreciate the time. We know the Friday before a road football game is not an easy time to squeeze in. So, you know, Jeff, we really do appreciate it appreciate and best it. of luck against the mountain Hawks. Yeah. So two hawks in and one hawk leaves. Let's go. It's Mammoth Hawk. The hawk time. dome. Hawk, that's it. Goodman Stadium. It's a hawk off. Tomorrow, <laughs> ESPN Plus or come out. It's going to be a nice Don't day. Don't watch it. You listen to the Mammoth Digital Network. I'm sorry. You're right. You should watch it and put us on Mammoth Digital Network. Or just come out to Steam. It's going to be a great day. <laughs> it's going to be sunny, beautiful. warm. We'll be back. Probably could have spoken for two, three, four hours with Jeff Gallo, a guy that Greg and I have known for a lot of years. And we were very thankful of his time during the week. No, the mom's getting ready for a big game this Saturday out at Lehigh. But um, always good to catch up with a coach. Always good to, to get his perspective into, you know, Greg and I get to read the numbers. Greg and I get to obviously kind of, you know, bask in those things. But to hear that mentality that a coach has, right? That, that play by play thing. I'll always um, appreciate getting his kind of perspective on it from the play callers perspective. Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of, we knew we wanted to get a football guest guest on, you know, we, we definitely are going to, we try to kind of spread this out over all of our sports. Uh, but after we had had that marquee win and it was just a really fun win, you know, a top 10 team, um, I think the third time, second or third time we've ever beat a top 10 team as, as a program. And, uh, I, we just talked and said, yeah, we need, while the iron's hot, let, let's get him on and let's see. He, and he's not just our offensive coordinator, right? Like we talked about, he's been here 2002 was his first year, like 20 years at one place, um, as a student athlete. And then, you know, he was, he was all those things. He was a recruiting coordinator. He was our ops guy. Like he's moved his way up the ladder. So he's got such a, amazing outlook and um he just knows mama he is mammoth football almost as much as some of the other institutes of mammoth football or mammoth football so it was just a and and he's a friend of ours and, and we wanted to get him on and here is uh here's points of view yeah and, and obviously you know i we love getting into that coach's room a little bit too and just hearing kind of how they view things I, I feel like as fans and people that work in sports i'm always interested and maybe because you know, as a play-by-play person, you're a little bit more interested in offense than defense. Uh, my dad was a defensive back in college. I didn't didn't get his affinity for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but it, I, I always think it's interesting to hear the mind of a play caller. There's an art to that. There's an art to how he does it. Um, and you can draw a line where when Jeff Gallo took over the play calling of Monmouth, this offense changed and became mm-hmm. this big play, but not predicated on big play, just consistent offense. And it's full credit to him and his staff. Yeah, our offense has been outstanding since he took over. And it's just like our recruiting was outstanding when he was a recruiting coordinator. Yeah. And our tight end, we didn't even talk about the tight end play, but our tight end play has been really good. 
Um, and he coaches the tight ends. He's a former offensive lineman who coaches our tight ends. We didn't even get a chance to talk about uh, some of the guys we've got in that position and, yeah. and how the you know the future of that position, I think, looks really bright with, with a couple of those guys. So um, it's great to have on. Great guest. But we do have some other things going on this weekend. We do. One thing that will affect tomorrow's game at some level is this weather. And obviously, if you have friends or family or anyone down in Florida, in the southeast, you know, please check on them. Because you know, I was talking with my grandmother last night. She's in central Florida, just north of Orlando. And, I mean. They got pounded too, right? They're getting absolutely pounded. And now That's this awful. Hurricane Ian went into the ocean. And now it's coming back. It made a left turn. And now it's going to be a hurricane again. And yeah, so please. So South Carolina and, and North Carolina. Are going you're to be seeing schedules, schedules um, change left and right. So football game unchanged. But one game that is changed, there was going to be a men's soccer game here on campus tomorrow on Saturday. That's now tonight. So a couple games on campus today with field hockey, with soccer. Um, that soccer uh, change as well. And then there's some more uh, athletic events on Sunday. But please be safe. Please make sure that you're being cautious on the road or everything else. Um, you know, Greg, as we kind of navigate the middle of this fall season now and um you know but where last saturday put this football program now i feel like that's the caa right Mm -hmm. every week we've been talking about this for years someone's going to knock someone off every single week and monmouth put themselves right back into the middle of the conversation Uh, you know people talk about the best three fcs conferences and, and they talk about uh the big sky the mvc and caa um I'm not going to sit here and tell you who's better than who. You know, the MVC probably has the most top. You know, they have four of the top five teams or whatever it is, so it's hard to argue. Um, But I will say this. The most competitive from top to bottom is without a doubt the CAA. Yes. Um, And that's not even close. It's it's, And it changes every year, you know. I I don't – it's just there – it's the location it's the recruiting it's what changes is the teams towards the top what doesn't change like you said is just that every single there is no team in this league you look at and go yeah we're gonna win that game yeah no they're all 50 50 games and and if you're 50 50 you hope are 50 50 games right um you know and i'm sure villanova and i'm not talking about the coaching staff and, and the players at all but i'm sure villanova fan base probably looked at this and said okay it's monmouth they got a pretty good offense they have a couple guys um but this is a game we should win. I mean, we're a top 20 program, and they're not even ranked, and they lost to New Hampshire, and they lost to a Patriot League team. So we ought to go and, you know, this ought to be a fun family weekend, 12,000 people, and we're going to walk out of there. And what they saw was, no, we are a CAA team, and we're ready to be a CAA team, and we're going to bring the fight to you just like Albany's going to bring the fight to us in two weeks and just like Maine's going to bring the fight to us in four in three weeks and all, running right down the rest of the schedule. So it's – um. It's a really fun thing. I don't know. The best way I can probably put it is like the Big Ten in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. That's it, what it kind of reminds me of. No, it just feels like every game me every game is a big game for each team. You know, where mm-hmm. some weeks um, maybe you don't feel that way or it is for one team versus the other. I, I'm with you. I mean, quite frankly, it feels like the NFL. Like, literally, it just feels like the... Uh, in quotes, there is no bad team, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the, there's such little separation between these teams. And it's across the board. It's in every single sport. I mean, during the week, the Monmouth women's soccer team in Hofstra played one of the best women's soccer matches I've ever seen. Really? It was fantastic. 1-1. Fantastic. <laughs> right. And it was just... So this league is really remarkable in that way. Non-conference, though, this Saturday out at Lehigh. You mentioned it. Um, the ways that fans can, can keep up with Saturday's game out at Lehigh. You can... First thing you should do is come out. We have a great tailgate. You have to register by now. 
come out for the for the tailgate. Still some time, to, I think, to squeak that in there. Uh, then you uh, should be turning on to MammothHawks.com and listening to Eddie and Gary, and, and maybe I'll jump on at halftime. Whoa, 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 maybe? I don't know. Sometimes we got some, like, VIPs that come around, and they're like, yeah, okay. you know, and I got to take a back seat, and I'm not that guy. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, you should be on. Well, okay. If there's a VIP, that's fine. If you can't do halftime, you got to step in at least maybe, like, the third quarter. No, I always do halftime. Third quarter, I'm back to doing whatever it is I do. All right. Um, and then, and then we'll be if live, you watch by the way, it, right if, at about 11.50 tomorrow. 11.50, 10 minutes of pregame. Kick is 12.02. I got the timeline. Uh, and if you're really a visual person or if you're sitting on your couch and you're tired of watching whatever the big noon kickoff game is, I'm sure Ohio State beating the crap out of somebody, um, then you could, you, sh- you could put it on ESPN Plus and watch it, but make sure you hit mute and listen to the game with, with our guys, <laughs> yes. Gary and Eddie. So, uh, you know, mute, definitely mute. There's that. All of the other events going on on campus will have um, coverage on Flow Sports this weekend. Um, we have the field hockey coverage today. The men's Except soccer tonight's game. Yeah, because yeah. that one was switched. That got moved. But on Sunday as well. So obviously stay tuned there. Um, keep it locked, mammothhawks.com. So many great things. And make sure you visit mammothhawks.com slash tickets because the football team is back at home in two weeks. Yeah. Back in the CAA, taking on Albany. That's on the 8th of October at 1 o'clock in a game that you should not miss. Yeah, get your tickets. If your students get out here, fill that student section. Giveaways, prizes. If you like this podcast or love it, make sure you subscribe, like, and share it on social. This is a production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved. Oh, my God.